Hello my friend and welcome back to the Tough Love Terry Podcast. Did we like that one? Anywho, I'm excited for today's episode because I'm going to be introducing you to my friend Christine Akisafe, who is a phenomenal motivator, manifester, and coach. And she is somebody that I met uh, a year ago and is somebody that uh, has been one of the only people that can make me feel squidgy the way I make other people feel squidgy. Uh, And so she is a needed force in my life. Uh, Anywho, I'm super excited to introduce you to her and the chat that we get in today about how we get in our own way in regards to body image image, manifesting the lives that we want, uh, and all that good stuff. Yeah, we get a little bit deep, but I think, I think you'll like it. So yeah, let's get going. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a moment to tell you about the new membership site that I just launched. It's called the Beyond the Body membership site, and it's for anybody who wants to uplevel their life in regards to body image, mindset, and creativity. You can find out more about it on my website at terryhoffer.com and just click the Beyond the Body membership sign up. You don't have to sign up for it to learn about it, but if you decide to, it's only $8 a month and there will be consistent content in the form of blog posts by me, videos from me, as well as some audio clips of me reading excerpts from my favorite books, in addition to podcasts that do not get published on here. So basically, you are going to get a lot of content that's going to help create a space for intentional learning and up-leveling and helping you become the person that you want to be. All right, so again, that is at terryhoffer.com and just click the link that says Beyond the Body Membership Registration. Thanks, and I'll see you in the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tough Love Terry podcast. I am here with my friend Chrissy, and I'm going to get Chrissy to describe herself and what she does for the world. Hello, I am, I guess technically you'd call me a life coach, right? It's like life coach is one of those terms where it's been thrown around so much. Um, I feel like I just went into my podcast voice. It's like, hello, I am on a podcast. Oh, I have one too. (laughs) You're good. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that the term life coach has been thrown around so much that people aren't really aware of what it even means anymore. Um, And essentially, I just help people get from A to B, right? Like people compare life coaching with therapy. um, And there are some similarities, but my focus is like when people come to me with a goal, helping them actually get to that goal rather than just talk about the goal. And I help people manifest whatever they want, right? Whether it's a business, a relationship, a feeling, generally most of the people who come to me they have things that they want to manifest, but what they're actually really manifesting is happiness. Ah, yes. And the process that we work through together is untangling their thoughts and stories that they have about themselves and the world that have kind of caught them in this um, trap. And they're living this life that isn't really them anymore. There's not really a lot of enjoyment. The things that they really want to do, they feel like they can't do. And that's where I come in. And I freaking love it. 
Yeah, I love it. I just remember um, I met Chrissy at, uh, I think, well, it was actually a year ago in uh, in Arizona. The first time when I photographed you uh, was the first time. And uh, we both were on Sue Bryce's podcast at the time. And I just remember talking to you and you like have so, you're so good with questions that it's like, but you also have the coach stare where it's like, you're not getting out of this. Like you will sit here and I will ask you this question and we're going to sit in this discomfort together until you find the answer. And I just remember being like, oh, fuck, the tables have turned. Because <laughs> like, that's usually me doing that to people. And I just remember feeling that to myself. I was like, oh, she's good. Oh, she's good. Um, and now you did start like kind of why I think Sue introduced us to each other kind of thing was because at the beginning, your journey was focused more on body image and helping people through that, right? Um, but now obviously you realize that there's more to it than, uh, more to that. And body image is just one aspect of finding that happiness or things like that. So tell me about your transition through that. Like, what was your own journey and recognizing, like, you know what, I'm not like this one thing that I was really passionate talking about. Um, I want to move now into this other realm. Cause I'm kind of in that state right now with myself where I'm like, photography is the thing that I do and I talk about, but I actually want to talk about so much more. So like, how did you transition yourself through that and coach yourself through that essentially? Cause it's kind of hard when you have an identity as someone else. Right. I really love that question. And I feel like I love this interview already and we're <laughs> probably just going to go on like so many topics. So I was bulimic for 12, 13 years, a little bit under 13 years. And in healing my relationship with my body and relationship with food, I suddenly saw things so simply, right? Like I saw that the whole world was making this so much harder than it had to be and so much more complicated than it had to be. I was like, guys, it's simple. If you just take away this value being on your body and you stop trying to make yourself eat things you don't want to eat, it gets so much easier. And I just was like, it just so many realizations about myself, about the body, about the world, about the stories that we were all buying into, the lies we were being told. Like women are so powerful. I'm one of those people. I'm not saying that women are better than men. We both like all have our place here or whatever, but it's just like, there's something so powerful about women. Like there's something that women tend to say a lot when we're together. And it's like, we tend to say that men are not super courageous, right? That's like, we love men, of course. But when it comes to like mental strength, we know, we know, we know, come on. <laughs> and <laughs> we're just, I think and, it's just a level of resiliency that comes with like the fact that women are still here, right? And then add on to that other levels of intersections, right? Black women, yes. fat women, and so on, like all these different levels. Like we, you have to put up with so much, and we're still here. And it's like that there's something to be said with the resiliency that the, the evolution of our brains has had to have gone through. Um, that now, that we're waking up like a lot of people are like women specifically or those socializes women specifically yes. are like this ain't okay like and we're angry now like do you recognize that so like the, the reason why I said that is because I think it's really important for everyone to know that because that's why we are so hung up on bodies and food and like the way we look and all of these things, because that's the way that we, we can weaken each other. That's the way that we get distracted from what we really came here to do. So I absolutely recognize that. And 
when I was talking about body image and food, I really loved it because there was just, there was so much, you probably know, right? When you're in body image and when you start talking about food and your body and like self-love, you're like, oh, this is about everything. It's mm-hmm. not just about this one thing. It, 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 so I spent so much time talking about that. And what I came to realize at a certain point is that a lot of people I was talking to, um, at least in my experience, this doesn't have to be for everyone. They weren't actually ready to hear what I wanted to say, right? You know, as you've probably that. seen, <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. There's so many people who struggle with body image and they struggle with food, but they don't want to hear that you don't have to suffer. They they want to know, well, how can I lose five pounds immediately? Um, like they they're not that they're, they're not really they are invested in one answer and they're not willing to hear anything else and that's why they're caught in those cycles over and over and over again and eventually I was just like um I wanted to talk about more things and I my life was was transforming under my eyes and I and I wanted to show people um this is the perspective that I have about myself and the world that helped me get here Mm -hmm. and I can see how powerful this is and I and I want to show you Um, And it was a hard transformation because I was definitely telling myself, oh, you're not allowed to do this or, you know, you're not qualified and what do you know and blah, blah, blah. Um, And eventually I just did it. And I guess that's the thing for everything. It's like action creates clarity and we can sit in our head and fumble and think all we want. And at the end of the day, we just like it's it's action, that next aligned action, even if it doesn't look how we think it's going to look. And that's what I did. And it just it my business kind of exploded a bit exploded as maybe an exaggeration but but it it probably like I know for me like basically I'm getting rid of my studio this year um and I'm opening myself up and everyone's like well what's the plan almost like there has to be something better on the other side and I'm like to be honest I don't have a plan plan all I know is that this is what I have to do so that I can be open to what could be um to be able to talk about more things and I think before I, I went on a hiatus from social media back in June I think it was and right before I went I was like I'm fucking tired of talking about bodies like I, I'm t- because even like when we talk about body image it's still talking about bodies all the time and I'm like there's so much more that we actually need to deal with but if we just, just sit here and spin on bodies we're never going to actually get to the next the things that we actually were trying to uncover which we were talking about right before I press record I was like I gotta press record because that was good shit um and you had mentioned like what people are searching for is happiness like and we think it comes in a smaller body which there are certain privileges of course that come with that and we think that comes with more money and we think that comes with all these things and I remember after I wrote my book the geo theory on body image I was like fuck this is the same stuff that can apply to breaking down money mindset I'm like oh no now I have to apply this to money mindset my money mindset shit because what happens is when you stop um and you probably know this with your clients that were like really invested in doing the work once you're done doing body image the value stuff actually doesn't change because you just switch it over usually to something else for me it was work i'm like yeah my body i'm fine with my body instead i became very my value became very predicated on how busy I was or how my business was doing or how much I was working on my productivity. So I didn't really change the value base of what I was making body image mean. Does that make sense? 
A hundred percent. I was aware of the same thing. It's like my value was all on my body. I was, I was a bodybuilder and I won most of my shows and that's what my value was. And then afterwards I moved into my business and then it was like about money and how well my business is doing. And it is true. We, we can just move our value to something else. Um, even though at the same time, I'm, 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 I was telling people that, you know, your value doesn't come from your body. Um, but there were so many other areas that I could absolutely have taken my own advice. And you said earlier, you said to people like, what's the plan? I tell you, that's one of my least favorite questions. I'm just like, why do I have to have a plan? Yeah, you know, it's yeah. plans, honestly, like I know I'm very different from many people in this world, but to me, plans are stupid because we actually don't have any certainty. We don't know what's going to happen in five minutes. So how do I have a plan when I don't know what's going to happen in five minutes? Yeah, if nothing else, a plan actually sets you up for more disappointment than anything else. I mean, this is not to say don't have a savings don't like obviously have that sort of like make sure you're in a stable position I don't want to be like yeah quit your jobs go do the things and make sure like don't have any money no don't do that <laughs> like still kind of like make sure there's some structure but ultimately like if the pandemic taught us anything it took away this idea that we have certainty and I think for a lot of people like for me it definitely I was like oh fuck we never had that actually we just thought we did and so now I'm like, well, fuck, everything's chaotic anyways. I might as well take a chance. <laughs> exactly. That's what you said about the pandemic. <clears throat> I've been saying since then, maybe most of us have. It's like so many of us make decisions from this place of I need security and certainty and safety. And really what the pandemic taught us is there's no such thing. There's no such thing. Like people who thought they were in the most secure jobs were suddenly left without a job. You know, I remember people at the beginning of the pandemic were like, you see, this is why you have to have a savings account. And suddenly a few months later, they were like, oh, I'm fucked. And I'm like, yeah, like there is no certainty. And I think that the pandemic was actually an advantage for so many of us in so many ways, because we then had to lean into the uncertainty. And so many of us thrived when we allowed ourselves to live in that space. Yeah. And that that's the thing. So now, now that things are getting quote unquote back to normal, I'm like, I can't. Like you're, you're the same probably because that's where we kind of are very similar in that we can't go back to what was because it's not what it was or is it is what it is now and like so many other people are like oh no 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 now we can go back to like how we're just being just as busy and doing all the things and I'm like no 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 there was like a certain level of ease that came with just like letting things unfold because we couldn't plan and we couldn't do things but there was like finally my but my nervous system was like I guess we just gotta let go a little bit um, and it could actually heal and relax after like seven years of like work, 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 hustle, 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 make the money, do the thing, stay up late. Uh, and my body finally was like, oh, thank God I can breathe again. So yeah, uh, like, while obviously we don't wish a pandemic on anyone. Like it did, I, I found like people kind of fell into two camps essentially, right? There were the people that were like, I'm going to make this mean something or the people like, I just can't wait to get back to what it was, um, which there are always those people, but I'm like, but you can't go back. So I think that's like, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment in that case. A hundred percent. And I agree with you. There was even more so in hindsight as well. There was this certain ease about the pandemic. Um, and I mean, I think I had I was maybe maybe at an advantage in some ways because I'd already started to live my life a little bit differently and the pandemic really just gave me that final push and permission to um 
but it was just it yeah it just it just felt simple and um maybe if not for the pandemic i'd still be working at a gym at a job that i completely hated um so like you said maybe we wouldn't wish a pandemic on anyone and i don't to be honest terry i don't know if i could say that to say that honestly because i think that's just so much so much um truth wisdom freedom um came out from the pandemic so how could i say i wouldn't wish yeah, that on anyone true. yeah in a lot of different ways yeah. for sure like yeah. it, like a lot of people had time away from the grind to recognize like this is why there's been well i'd like to say that you're in the us so it's obviously a bit different but there's been progress of sorts and then as we're getting back into what it was you can feel like even the government's trying to like like cling to the, the like this is why they're making all these terrible laws and like or whatever like everything that's going on in the u.s right now is terrible but like but i think that's part of it is like they're trying so hard to grasp to what was that they are literally doing more harm obviously than good as opposed to if things had gone the way that it was i don't i don't think we would be where we are now but yeah, I just feel like there's is a lot more polarization, but it's also good in a way that way. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. And I agree with you. And you know what has come out of the pandemic for me is like, I feel like I've changed in a lot of ways. Um, just like before the pandemic, I thought that the world was a certain way and that people were a certain way. And, you know, like I had an idea that all Republicans were one way and anyone who supported Trump was one way and everyone who supported Trump was racist. And I saw like, I just thought I knew the world, right? Mm. And then I created my life based on what I thought the world was. And the pandemic really allowed me to open up a lot of things that I thought were true and the things that I hadn't questioned and hadn't thought to question. And then when I started questioning things, I was like, huh. And then you start asking more questions about things and then like people get upset about questions. And then you just, there's just so, there's just, it, it, it was just so, so interesting. I suddenly was just like, I don't know what the world is anymore. And maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly what's happening. So there's the people that are like, no, but the certainty, we need that certainty. So they're like trying to like, uh, like grab onto it as hard as they can. But what what's the saying like with the universe, like the harder you hold on to mm. it, um, the less it's yours. Like that's the thing you're supposed to, right? With manifestation, it's the same thing. Like yes. have the thing, but like don't hold it too tightly. Yes, um, exactly. Open to how else it can come about. But if you're like, no, this is exactly what it must look like and be like specifically and how I'm going to get it specifically. Yeah. Right. That's I, I I love that as well. And you thought one of my friends, Elizabeth Ralph, she teaches uh, investing and in wealth and money, and she's fucking phenomenal. And one of the things that she taught me is just like you know, Christine, poor people are taught to hold on to their money, mm. and rich people are taught to let money flow through them, right? And you've got to think about money like a living thing, right? You don't you don't want to squeeze it too tightly, otherwise you kill it. You like let it come and you let it flow. And when you squeeze onto it so tightly, it dies. And the image in my mind is like in of mice and men of mice and men when Lenny was holding on to that mouse or whatever it was so tightly he didn't realize and he killed it. 
And that's what we can do with everything. We can hold it so tightly that we kill it yeah. instead of like letting, letting it go. It's like that needy energy. You think about it, needy energy. No one wants to be like in that needy energy. When you're like, I need you, I need you, I need you. And it's like, oh, oh God, no, like, please. Oh, that's the opposite. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And that's why that was one of the things for me, like why I decided to step away from not just being a photographer, like I'm still going to do photography, but like step away from the studio and the stuff. I, I need to prove to myself that the stuff isn't necessary um for me to be valued or valuable or whatever does that make sense like I need to the attachment thing like I need to just like let it go to somebody else that might want it or whatever but I'm learning how to let go of things that I used to be like no like if I can't have it nobody can have it right like even stuff I'm like I'm never going to use it but I don't want to sell it or like get rid of it like I don't want to donate it but now I'm like when I feel that I'm like, no, this is when you need to get rid of it. Like when you're feeling that, because that means that you, you think you need it for something. Right. But then it controls you instead of yeah. um, the other way. So yeah, that's, there's been a lot of that kind of thought process going on. So talk to us a little bit um, about the whole manifestation process for you. Like, so uh, I know that's a big broad topic, so maybe we'll like narrow in on it, but like, yeah, I can with, like, tell you about how I approach manifestation. Yeah, that's what um, I want to hear. Because it's actually tied into body image. And it was through my journey of going through an eating disorder and healing from that that actually led me to this place. And what I realized is that most of us, we want something because of the way we believe that the thing will make us feel, right? Um, but when you're not even in your body and you're not connected to your body, you never actually feel that way. And then you just keep chasing one thing after the other that you thought was going to make you feel a certain way. But as soon as you get it, you're onto the next thing and you don't even acknowledge that feeling in your body. Yeah. So I, through this process, what I learned is that embodiment was the most effective way to manifest whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And so then I started to explore what that meant what that meant to me what did what did even embodiment mean to me and embodiment to me means it's like you know if I ask you Terry who is the happiest person you know the first person who comes to mind that's a picture of embodiment right they embody what it means to be happy like whatever for whatever reason they're the first person that comes to your mind and so I wanted to get to this place where I was really familiar and connected with my body which I was already from this process of coming out of an eating disorder yeah. therefore when I was present and connected to my body I could use my body as a tuning fork almost like this is how I want to feel in my body let me match it to the yeah. situation and circumstances that I'm in and then see what happens there and that's how I started doing it so when I work with my clients I don't necessarily talk to them we talk about like particular things that we want but most importantly we get really clear on how what they want feels mm. because most of us Something that I learned from my shaman, whose name is Makozi, is that most of us uh, are creating a life based on pictures, on what we've seen. And we think that these pictures will feel this way, but we're basing it on the picture and not the feeling. And we all are unique souls who came here with a completely unique path that isn't for us to uh, watch and repeat someone else do it, right? It's our own thing. We, we haven't seen it before because it hasn't existed before. So yeah. when you're embodied, when you're present with this feeling of uh, whatever it is, whether it's joy, uh, whether it's adventure, for me, something that's really important to me is freedom. 
I freedom is really important to me. And I, when I say freedom, I mean um, really freedom to be myself, freedom to say what's really on my heart without like, what are other people going to say about me? Are they going to judge me? Uh, maybe people aren't going to like me and all of that. And there's always a new level of freedom. So for me, the manifestation process is um, about embodiment. And it starts with a presence. I want to, sometimes when I talk about manifestation I can get a little bit ungrounded in terms that I'm so used to saying certain things I want to be able to say it in a way that anyone understands what I'm talking about and it's not just like people who are in my world so when if you think like I want to be a famous singer there's a feeling that that presents in your body yeah. so what if you lived your life with that feeling right now instead of waiting for the singer title to present itself for you then to feel that way. So even if tomorrow or, you know, in 10 years, you're not a singer, you're still already living life with that feeling that you knew that being a singer would bring you and you win anyway. And then even on that path, there might be a different direction or it may take you to this path, whatever it is. That's how I help people manifest. And the only thing that usually gets in the way of that is like our beliefs, like, oh, that can't happen, or I'm not capable of doing that, or who would pick me for this? Mm -hmm. And then we work on those beliefs, like we bring them out and we look at them and be like, okay, well, is this really true? Um, and that's how that, that's the process that I take my clients through. And it's basically like feeling the desire, because um, that's a feeling, right? Desire feels like something. When you desire something, you feel it in your body. And so many of us see desire as like it's almost a dirty word. But when you allow that to like fill your body and lead you, it's so magical. Yeah, I totally feel like that's definitely the way that whether or not I knew it, that's always how I've like live my life was letting like the feeling and that's why I talk about like when people are like what's your plan I'm like I don't know I just know I'm supposed to go here like does that make sense like my body is just like go there we'll figure it out when you're there but like you just have to not do this you need to be over here instead okay cool I'm gonna trust but that level of trust definitely gets eroded um because of the disconnection so many people have between their minds and their bodies like we especially again socialized as women you're taught not to trust your body at all like from the time you're five like you're already like or even younger when your parents are like you need to eat like when you're full your family's like well eat what's on your plate or vice versa you're not eating enough whatever uh everyone's different but the thing is we're taught from a very young age not to trust our feelings and not to trust um our bodies and interestingly enough this is why i think so many people have a problem with their stomach is because the stomach is your fear center and it literally tells you when something's wrong but we've been told our whole lives that no like we've been gaslit our whole lives essentially like you don't know oh no you're just overreacting da, 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 da. so now this center of fear is also untrustworthy so when we look at it we're like no i don't like you right um, and so it's wild so that's why i do we were talking about that earlier i think it's so important to do that body image work first. You said you had said earlier, like people who do their body image work have an advantage when it comes to manifestation because it's almost like they've, like my book, The Geo Theory, you've chipped off that top layer and it exposes like the actual things that you're craving and desiring um, that you thought at one point, because we've been told this, that a smaller body would bring you um, or a more fit body would bring you, right? Whether that's love, affection, um, more money, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, it's just 
which just wild. So that's really cool that you approach it from, uh, from the direction of embodiment and working through that trusting um, what does it feel like in your body, like good and bad and in between. And you just, you just touched on the biggest point, which I'm grateful for because I might've forgotten that. That's why people who work on their body image and food relationships first have an advantage because then they start to understand the communication system. Oh, you're cut out for a second there. I, I muted myself by accident. <laughs> So they've already developed a relationship with the communication system that's going on in their body quite simply, like at its most basic, because now they know what it feels like to be hungry and what it feels like to be full and what it feels like to actually honor those cues. And most people don't, right? Because either they're, uh, so many of us are raised to, like you said, finish what's on your plate. Um, And I saw this at home. I was just at home with my family and I saw some of my siblings like wanting to force their kids to eat things when they weren't done or eat at their, on their time. And I was like, what, you know, getting involved because they're my nieces and nephews and they're like, match your business. I'm like, I absolutely will not. <laughs> but they have, they have an advantage because they understand the most basic level of communication. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember what it was like for you, but I know when I was dealing with bulimia, I was never really sure um, whether I was like hungry or full or like whether it was okay to eat this or whether it was time, I would think about things instead of just like honoring my body. And that's what we do when you teach people like to finish what's on their plate and you don't honor their body. We start living from the mind instead of the body. And that's actually a lot of the reason why so many of us are sick because your body is actually your subconscious mind. Your body is your um, contact with ancient wisdom. And what I mean by that literally is like, this nose on my face didn't start with me, right? It was attached to someone else before it was attached to me. And I get to access their wisdom and their strength as well. But when I'm not in my body, I'm in my mind, I'm living from my mind and literally my body and my mind are fighting each other. And you know, I just spoke to a client that um, had accepted a job that she didn't want. And even when she accepted it, her body completely fell apart. Her body was communicating to her, no, I don't want this. And she didn't listen. Her mind, her mind wanted to know best, right? Her mind wanted to follow the logical steps and all of that. And then as she entered this job, her body just completely fell apart. Your body is always speaking to you. But for people who haven't taken the time or don't know yet about just like basic body language in terms of eating, Mm-hmm. They're not aware that their body is constantly communicating to them. And they think that they have to live from their mind, which is often where it comes from when we're like, what's the plan? What next? Give me the one, two, three, four, five steps. Like, how do I do this? It's all from the mind instead of the body. Yeah. Well, I think a big part of that, like, it's great that we have a prefrontal cortex <laughs> now, <laughs> but it's almost like we're using that, like there's the, this is why we need the balance between like the amygdala fear center, as well as right. The emotional center, as well as um, the logic center of our brains, because before it was all just like just emotion all the time. Right. And so it's like, oh, we're just letting our bodies dictate literally everything all the time. And that got us into some trouble, but then we developed this beautiful prefrontal cortex, which allows us to like put the brake pedal on a little. So we don't like snap at people or things like that. So 
but now I think we're moving too far towards that direction where it's like, okay, but logically, does it make sense? Um, like a lot of everything are like, especially in a capitalistic society, like everything's based on logic and um, more of that type of view instead of like, no, but how does it feel? Right. And getting logical people to stop and say, like, how does it feel in your body right now? Like, just stop for a second. Like, don't go to the past. Don't go to the present. Come right here or go, don't go to the future. Right now, what do you feel? And they're like, what? Like, it is, it definitely has to become a practice, I think, for people to learn, to relearn. This is the unfortunate. And that's the part that probably makes me the most mad is like, we knew how to do this. And like, society's just like nah we know best and it's like no you don't know best for my body right and so yeah so what would what is like one piece of advice that you would give somebody that's like they're just starting that body image like communicate building that body image communication like what is one practice that maybe they could start doing to just start listening to their body that's a really great Great. That's a really great question. That's a really great, great question. Um, so quite simply is honoring, am I hungry right now? What do I actually want to eat right now? Not, not eating things that you think are healthy or the right thing. Like what does your body actually want to eat? It's like when you go out to a restaurant and you look at a menu, usually there's something that calls you and you have like a mind logical reaction to that. Maybe, oh, that's too fattening or I'm not allowed that or it's not a weekend or it's too expensive, right? We don't allow our body to choose. So allowing your body to choose your food and, and like enjoying the process of eating. So not one of the things that I used to have my clients do when I worked on food issues was eating and just eating, not working, not talking, not watching TV, just eating. So you can enjoy the process and the experience with your food. And that's a really great way to first start communicating with your body. And then just like having even a few seconds, 10, 20 seconds of stillness to be present with what the energy is in your body. What am I feeling in my body at this moment? You know, and I'm one of those people who like, I'm all about body all the time. I'm not like, I'm not a like half logical. I'm not a logical person at all. I don't lean into my logic whatsoever. Very rarely, not on purpose anyway. I'm all about like, and people say, you can't just do whatever your body feels like doing when you want to do it. And I'm like, well, that's how I'm living. So I guess you can. So I can, yes. <laughs> so that's where I would start with like food relationships or even, you know, something that's really, really helpful. <coughs> excuse me, feeling the sun on your skin, mm. right? And enjoying the pleasure of what that feels like. What does that feel like in your body? Yeah. Like enjoying sensations of things, paying attention to your body. Or if you have a strong emotion or like some, you're having really, uh, you're getting lost in your anxiety one day, then asking your anxiety, what are you teaching me? What is the, do you have a message for me? What is the message? What are you trying to tell me? You practice this two-way communication with your body. Yeah, I, that's something that I definitely, uh, I was just thinking of this when I was driving today, somebody like honked their horn, not at me, but at somebody else. But like, I could feel my anxiety just like through the roof. And I was like, and I've noticed that I've been feeling very, like, I definitely notice my anxiety a lot more now than I ever did before. And I was like, 
was I anxious before and I just coped a lot more? Probably. Um, and it's so funny, like the more you like whittle away at things, it's literally like exposing your teeth, your, I think of it, your, the roots of your teeth, like the more it gets exposed, the more painful it is. But it's also like, what is it? Like you just said, I asked myself, I was like, okay, so why would that trigger me like what like what but then it allowed me while I'm driving to stop for a second and say like hey body it's okay like it's not we're not gonna die in a car accident like we're totally fine we're just driving along like I was able to parent my body back down um out of a stress response right because that's the thing when this is why road rage is what it is is because literally people are like I'm gonna die and so they react however they react. Um, the fighters are very mean. And then the flighters are just like, oh my God. And then they're like shaking as they drive to work, right? Um, but that's what I had to start to realize was like, oh, and certain music gets me going a certain kind of way. Like when I used to listen to Ludacris on the way to work, I would like be much more aggressive and angry. And like, I'd be like, yeah, move bitch, get out the way. Like literally like driving like that. So now I'm like, I, I'm already anxious as a driver, I guess. So let me put on music that's going to soothe me down and like classical music, Bridgerton soundtrack, like music that's going to just like chill me out a little bit. So that way I'm less likely to, if I am triggered, I'm, it's easier to fall back into a, a stress-free state instead of staying in that agitated state. Yeah. Um, what you said there is really key about music because I actually use music and movement um, to help my clients embody whatever affirmation that they're wanting to that next that. level affirmation. I'll have to give you, I have a freebie actually, so I'll have to give you the link to that so that people can actually learn how to do that. And it's okay. a really simple way to um, not just say, because people tend to do affirmations like, I'm confident, I'm confident, I'm confident, I'm confident. And their brain's like, no, you're not. Yeah, exactly. They're <laughs> subconscious and they're body's like that's this does not feel safe like words are there's a disconnect and yeah the body's like fuck no you're not exactly so we use music and movement to like calm down that critical faculty and actually feel okay what does it actually feel like to be confident and now I can believe that because now I'm feeling it in my body well, and that's something like, as far as like photography goes, that's something I started implementing in my photo shoots with clients is like, instead of me telling them what confidence looks like or power looks like, cause that's the thing, like you going back to how you said, we are, we have an idea of what it looks like, but we don't know what it feels like. That's literally what I've been teaching photographers. Like, no, we need to get people back to, this is what I look like when I feel this. It may not look like what the idea of what we've been sold it should look like but that's what I look like when I feel that we need to get back to that um and the documentation aspect of it and so that's the thing I ask clients is like when was the last time you were confident um and then when they're like standing on stage or you know when I went to, to my boss I was like okay like close your eyes, picture that moment that you like went to your boss and asked for a raise and did the thing and then open your eyes and what what motion did you take? And then that's what I'll capture. Instead of me being like, do the superwoman pose, like hands on the waist, legs apart. I'm like, that has never made me feel confident, really. I'm like, maybe my body thinks so, but I don't think so. I don't sound like- That's this. such a great point. I'm pretty sure I've never stood like that in real life right 
yeah like and they say like like they say like if your chin is up and your chest is open your body's like oh like you know confidence or like you're ready for battle essentially which i get that from a physiological standpoint but feeling wise no i just feel stupid (laughs) you know what i mean because i'm like yeah like when i go on stage i'm not like yes i am hello (laughs) when i feel confident or powerful or whatever it's when i'm moving like because i used to be an athlete so i go back to when i was a kid like what made me feel confident and powerful i used to play sports so having photos of myself moving and in action and like looking strong that is confidence to me. Does that make sense? So it's, yeah, it's a lot of that kind of, we have to rewire people instead of like trying to achieve a look, we have to get back to trying to achieve a feeling and accept that that's what it looks like for you, but not everyone. And that's the special sauce. That's so key. What you said is for you, instead of us trying to recreate, like you said, like, this is how Terry looks when she's confident. So if I do exactly what Terry is doing, then maybe I'll feel confident. And that's why people don't really know what confidence is, right? You scroll through Instagram and it's really just like different filters of what people think is confident because they saw someone else doing it and they're like, oh, that, that's, but that's, that's not right. what confidence really is. And that's why I truly believe so many people now are like, oh, I suffer from imposter syndrome. I suffer. Of course you do, because we're all trying to be somebody else. You can't be, uh, you're an imposter because you can't be anybody other than who you are, you poco. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? So that's why I always encourage people to like, if we can figure out like your values and the things that like, like you said, feel good in your body and like go full force into it even though it seems counterintuitive to the rest of the world like I think this is I just wrote a blog post on this I think that's why I like myself and you and I was just interviewing somebody else uh, my friend Keisha and she's very similar too we're always moving ahead quite quickly um and everyone's like what like you know you need to have like a five-year plan a 10-year plan and we're just like I'm going here because it feels good I can't explain it but I just know if I don't I will die right like it literally feels like that but I think that's the beautiful gift that we actually can bring to the world is this idea that follow your bliss follow that joy like whatever that is even though the rest of the world is telling you not to because that is where you can stop feeling like you're trying to be someone else or stop you know slaving away at a job that literally you don't care about Mm. Um, but that goes back to like you said as far as like instead of looking confident or waiting until you have the confidence to do something do something confidently like that's why I always said is like no the things that you want they're verbs they're not nouns like they're not something you get there's something you do Um, and people have a hard time with that right like they're like but what what does that mean well what what do you think like you said what does somebody who does that confidently what would they do in this situation and getting them to like think bigger than what it looks like yeah I think that so many of us we make a decision about what's possible for us based on who we've been so far Mm. and it's really important to remember that that identity was self-created, right? Whatever stories we have about that, it was self-created. And so you think about, well, who is this next level that I wanna be, right? Whether it's like a business owner or an actress or whatever. Um, and what actions would I, would I be taking if I was already that person? Like what actions would I take from that place of being 
and then move from there. And sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Or I'm not confident enough to do that. That's a story you created. Yeah. First of all, who even told you that you have to be confident to do that? Yeah. Right? That that's that's a story. You can do it shaking, right? You can do it like crying even. That's how Just you like, get it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So it's like when we say, well, I can't do that or like whatever, you've got to look at where you're creating these self-limiting identities about what you can and can't do or who you can and can't be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's just like so well. And then that's why like when you crack it open a little bit, it's like, shit, there's a lot in here that needs to like, just when you think you're like, yeah, got that one figured out. There's like, 800 more around the corner waiting for you to be like oh yeah we can't do that though like we could do this <laughs> thing but no not that one and um, but that's what I always tell people I was like listen every thought is created so why don't we create a story that's going to support you instead of one that's making you scared or like afraid mm. um yeah. and for myself the way that I do that is I'll write out the thought that I'm having that is stopping me and then I have to think about it and say okay what are the facts of the situation, first of all, and then write that out, but then say, okay, what is a thought we could have that will support the outcome that you desire? Uh, and then that always helps me be able to reframe the thought in my head that says, you know, whatever the thing is that I'm trying to get to. But yeah, it's so crazy though, because there's just like, once you get started, there's no end to it. I think that's the, that's the other thing is like, people are like, okay, well, when I figure out my body image, then like, then I'll never experience sadness again, or I'll never experience pain. I'll never experience any of these things. And that's just not how being a human is. But, but that's the that I get so frustrated when with, I get so frustrated because I do it too. But this is also why it's about being present. Mm. right now like we have this feeling like there's the story we have that if I can just figure this out if I can just think through this then I can make this moment better than it actually is when it's just like they all of these emotions are human emotions that it's part of the journey of being human you don't get to skip some of it and if you wanted like people like I just want to feel happy happy all the time actually that was one of my clients said that to me a couple of months ago and I'm like if you were happy all the time then you wouldn't be happy all the time anymore like we need the contrast like we, it's us as humans that have decided that some feelings are good and some feelings are bad they're just feelings they're all yeah. just feelings well, and it's all just information. As my naturopath says, it's just information. What you do with the information is up to you. Um, but that's something like even as a child, like as a middle child, that was the good kid. I was taught that, yes, some feelings you can express and other ones are just troublesome. So we don't talk about them. So that's what actually got me binge eating was because I would just swallow those feelings uh, and eat. And I still like still that's like one of the things that I'm working through now is like, OK, like I know notice that I'm doing the behavior because I didn't want to feel the thing. Um, and as you probably know, but like when you're feeling something heavy emotionally, if you can channel it into physical pain, then that distracts you from the emotional pain. So by eating a lot, I would feel distended and full and uncomfortable. So then my brain's focused on that pain instead of the emotional pain and stuff like that. So, yeah, so is, but it's like, that part of it is we've been taught this again specifically socialized women have been taught to ignore those feelings anger uh definitely anger uh sadness a little bit and just like we didn't 
we don't need to talk about that. You just need to be pretty and happy all the time. It'll be wonderful. Men, on the other hand, have been socialized the other way, which is where they're like, oh no, you need to be angry and you need to be mean and you need to be all these things, but don't you dare show any sort of empathy or you know softness of any kind. And you learn how to channel that into rage instead. Um, and that's where now I'm at a state where I'm just reparenting myself essentially to learn how to manage anger um, instead of swallowing it and say like, no, you can be mad right now. And like almost ride feelings like waves and just say, you'll be angry for a minute, but it'll go away. You don't have to think your way through it. That's something I'm like, if I can think it, then I can control it. Right. But that doesn't, that just pushes it down instead of actually just like being in it and then moving through action to move it somewhere else uh, or into a different feeling or things like that. But the acknowledging that it does exist has been really like eye-opening. That was like, oh yeah, I think this is an inconvenient feeling. Why is that? <laughs> I have a friend who uh, says that they have a bad temper. Um, and I talk to them about it. One of the reasons that their temper feels so bad is because they've learned that anger is bad which is, it's just, I mean, I come from the standpoint that nothing is good or bad. Um, and, but when we think that anger is bad, it's like food, right? What happens when we think food is bad? We tend to overeat on that food and binge on that food. And we might go periods of time where it's like, nope, nope, that food doesn't exist to me because it's bad, it's bad. And then we'll but just binge on it. Exactly. Or yeah, we'll punish ourselves with that food and an explosion occurs. And then we try and push it right back in, put the lid on top, never think of speak about it again. And then it just keeps exploding because we think that that's a bad thing instead of like, it's a normal human emotion. We all feel and experience anger. You don't have to, like, I'm also just not one of those people who I don't believe that you have to control your emotions. Like, you know, it's, it's actually in the trying to control our emotions that we usually end up losing it on someone because mm -hmm. we're trying to control that emotion and your body is nature is always going to win it's like resistance right if you're swimming against the current at some point nature's going to win if you're resisting if you're swimming against the current nature will always win and you will fail die whatever you can't continue to be in resistance to nature nature was here first and your body is nature and you cannot continue to resist your body and think that you're going to be happy and healthy well, I think that's a good place to end our podcast because that was so good. That was like a mic drop moment, but I'm not going to drop this mic because it's quite heavy. But uh, that was so good. Oh my God, I could talk to you for fucking ever. This is just fun. <laughs> Me too, that was fun. I like having these conversations because they are more high level and they are more um, like in depth about things that I think people need to know. So where can people find more about you? I'll put it in the show notes, but if you want to share where people can find Wonderful. more about you and what you do and get their manifestation on with you. Yes. The best place to find me is on Instagram. I spend a lot of time on Instagram and my um, Instagram handle is Christine with a C-H, C-H, and then Ajisafi, which is my last name, which is Aji, A-J-I, and then safe. Um, and you can find me on there. I will, I have to deliver a link to you later because I do want to give them the freebie link, which is the um, embodied affirmations using the music and movement embodied affirmations. Um, so I'll get that to you at a later date. If I miss the drop date for this episode, that's fine, but I'll do my best to get it to you before then. Sure. If not, I'll just post it or I can always update, I think. But, oh, awesome. 
maybe i don't know perfect Whatever. and if not it's fine yeah we'll just bring you back a second time and then we'll perfect let's do that, that one, which I'm totally fine with. well thank you all for listening and thank you chrissy for being here it's always a pleasure and we will talk to you soon bye